In the spring of 1939, during the build-up to war with Germany, the British government commissioned a series of propaganda posters. These posters were intended to offer the public reassurance in the dark days that lay ahead. They were required to be uniform in style and were to feature a special and handsome typeface, making them difficult for the enemy to counterfeit. They used the crown of King George VI as the only graphic device and had just two colours. Of the three final designs that went into production, the first poster carried the slogan, Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second poster had the words, Freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. But the third design, of which over two and a half million posters were printed, simply read, Keep calm and carry on. These days we see the Keep Calm logo everywhere around us, on mugs, t-shirts, billboards, posters and such. There is even now an app that you can use to design your own Keep Calm catchphrase. We believe, though, that to keep calm and carry on can be a powerful way to go through our lives whilst we are under attack from our enemy and the challenges of life on a day-to-day -day basis, and that it can help you focus on hope for you, your family, your finances, your health and your future. There is hope for your life. Keep calm and carry on. Come on, yes. Come on, say with me again. Keep calm and carry on. Come on, throughout this series, we're going to look at the word hope. We're going to look at how we can have hope in our lives and through our lives, having hope. But one thing we've discovered is this. We can't have hope if we're not willing to change. We can have hope, and it's important to have hope, but if we're not willing to change, hope will leave us the same way. I can hope for a better marriage, but if I'm not willing to change and put in the effort that's needed, then I can hope all day long, but probably nothing's going to change. So whatever the circumstances, wherever you find yourself, we are teaching and believing this week that you can keep calm and you can carry on. And really the truth is this, you cannot keep calm and carry on the same way you are. We like to think, well, my life's good and I don't have a lot of problems. Notice we say I don't have a lot of problems, but we've admitted we do have problems. You see, we need to change the small things as well as the big things. It's easy to change the big things because we know they need to be changed. We must change those things. But oftentimes, even the smallest things of our life need to change. I want us throughout this entirety of the series to say, what needs to change in me, whether big or small, because small things grow. We talked about this Wednesday, everyone loves a puppy, but puppies grow. 
Come on, they're really cute when they're small and fuzzy and fluffy, but then they jump and then they have to eat and then they have to be walked and then they have to do all these things. And your kids say, I promise I'll take care of it. And then who's left to handle the job? Us as parents. Things grow. You put a seed in the ground. Guess what? Not just a seed comes back. A harvest comes back. Growth takes place. So we're challenging you, even with the small things of your life, to say, God, I want to change those things because I want to keep calm. I want to carry on. I want to have a life of hope that comes through change. The scripture that we've been using throughout this series is Philippians 2 verse 13. We're quoting from the New Living Translation. It says this, For it is God who is working where? God's working in you. God wants to work in you, giving you the what? The desire. We discovered last week the definition of hope is having a desire that things will change. God wants to give you the hope, but he doesn't just give you the desire. We read on that God says, and the power to do what pleases him. Who would agree with me this morning if we did everything that pleased God in our lives, our lives would be completely different. Come on, our marriages would be awesome. Come on. Our relationships with our kids, our finances, just every aspect of our life would be absolutely incredible if we did everything to please him. God says, I've given you the hope for that, but also the capacity or the ability to be able to do something about it. You're not powerless to change unless you choose not to. You can make the choice and choose not to change But then many times, I'm going to tell you, change is going to be forced upon you. You can say, well, I don't need to change that. Circumstances of life have its way of coming back and you'll be forced into making that change. So how much better to make that change? And today we want to talk about one of the areas or the key areas that we discover we need change in. The four key areas that we've looked at and we're going to discuss the first today in our physical bodies. Our body is a temple of God. Are we glorifying God with our bodies? We're going to discover that. We also talked about in our finances. We talked about in our relationships, our marriages, our homes, in our spiritual life. The four key areas of change that we need to apply to our life. So today we're going to talk about physical change. And I know for some of you, you're going to be glad. I'm not going to stand up here and give you the Atkins diet. I'm not going to stand up here and give you the latest fad or fashion and say, okay, physical change. Here's what you need to do. Eat this, eat this, don't eat that. We're not going to give you a diet today. We're not going to tell you an exercise regime that you need to follow. You know, how many burpees you need to do, how many push-ups you need to do, how many squats you need to do, how many times you need to go to the gym, the insanity. Man, watch out because there's a name or a reason it's called insanity. If you've ever tried it, it's insane. I just want to tell you that. I thought I was going to die after doing 15 minutes of a 45-minute workout. I thought I was going to die. True story. Ask Kelly. She comes in the living room. I am rolled up in a ball in the middle of the floor, just almost crying. She said, what's wrong with you? I said, leave me. I couldn't even speak. I was so nauseated and so sick. And I, was, I wasn't even in the workout. I was just taking the test to see how fit I really was. It's insanity. It's insane. It's crazy. But that's not what we're going to talk to you about today. We're not even going to really give you a list of do's and don'ts about what your life needs to be. 
But instead, we're going to look at the attitudes. We're going to look at what we need to possess and what is required to bring about a change in our lives and specifically that in our physical bodies. We're going to look at three key areas or attitudes today. We're going to look at humility. We're going to look at a commitment to action. And we're going to look at a responsive heart to God. Now you may say, Pastor Philip, humility, commitment to action, a responsive heart. How is that going to affect me physically in my body? How is that going to make my body glorify God? Stay with me. I promise you we're going to get somewhere today. You're going to learn something from God's word. You know, they tell us that the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. That straight line represents the right changes that we need to implement. Here's my saying that I've come up with for your life. The shortest distance between your pain of your past and your victory of your future is the line of change. Think about that. The shortest distance between my past And my future and the victories that God has for me is my willingness. It's the line of change that needs to take place in my life. I've got to let go of the past. Paul said this, forgetting those things which are where behind me, I press on towards that I may obtain, that I may grab hold of, that I may have. We've got to leave our past so we can grab hold of our future in Christ. And many people, you included, refuse to change until the pain of not changing exceeds the pain of changing. You don't need to be like that. You don't need to be like that. We've got to let go of our past so we can step into our future. Do you know the biggest enemy of change and the biggest obstacle of change in your life is the past? It's not my spouse. It's not my finances. It's my past. It's my past. You and I cannot change what happened yesterday. Doesn't matter who we are, doesn't matter how big and bad we think we are. We cannot change the words we said yesterday. We cannot change the, we cannot go back in a time machine and adjust. Those things are done. But I want to tell you something that's good news. What do you mean it's good news? I want to explain to you. If our decisions yesterday, if the decisions of our past could put us in a negative position today, that means that if I change my decisions to be positive things, guess what? They can put my future, my tomorrow into a better place. Do you see that? Because of my wrong mistakes, I can live in the consequences. I've created the world I live in today. But you know what? That means therefore also if I make the change and I let go of my past, I can create the right opportunities that God has for my future. I can make them positive. You see, you are not your past. You are not your past, but you can be. You can allow your past to define who you are, or you can leave that past, the straight line of change, leaving those things, making the change so you can embrace God. Don't be trapped by your past. So many people are trapped by their past, the guilt, the shame, the failures, the mistakes, the words, the thoughts. It's amazing as you begin to make the change. I I just want to warn you of something, and that is this. You know, don't be trapped by all those things, but allow those things to propel you into your future. 
You can allow the mistakes of your past to make you so much better in the future. Because if you realize those things that you do, they're not working, come on, you would be a fool to keep doing those things. You need to make a change. They can motivate you and they can propel you to be different. And I want to warn you with something today, and that is this. You're going to face plenty of obstacles when you decide to change. You're going to face obstacles when you decide to change. Someone once said it like this. It appears like the wheels fell off. Have you ever felt like the wheels fell off your life? You try to do things right and you try to go the right way, not just because you do things bad. I mean, the wheels will fall off there. But sometimes the wheels can appear to fall off when you're making the change and you're making the adjustments and and you're saying, God, I'm going to change this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to give this to you. And it's going to happen in your life. I just want to warn you of that. So expect it to happen. Be prepared for them to happen. But listen to me. Refuse to allow them to rob you from your future in God. Refuse that to stop you. The Bible says that there's an enemy that's out to get us. We're not to be ignorant of his devices. The Bible says that. We've got to be alert. We've got to be sober. We've got to be vigilant because he's out to destroy us. He's out there to, to literally, that meant, rip us limb from limb to devour us. But we cannot be ignorant to that. Don't allow the enemy to rob you of your future in God. Take hope today. Look what Romans 8 verse 28 says. And we know. I love that word. And we know. We can know for certain. You can certainly know today. You can put that or take that to the bank. That you know that all things. Notice the word all. That includes the good and the bad and the ugly. That we know that all things work together for what? For good to those who love God. God to those who are called according to his purpose. That means you can use your past to create the change you need in your life because God has already made it possible to turn your bad things into good things, to take the trash and to make it a treasure. Come on, God can take the past And we can know that God can turn around the past when we give it to God. That God can give us another chance. Man, I'm glad God gave me another chance. A lot of people say, thank God for a second chance. Blew that one a long time ago. He's not a God of a second chance. He's God of another chance and another chance and another chance. Aren't you glad of that? But God can take the past, the failures, the mistakes, and he can turn them around if I'll be willing to let go of those things. And to change and to trust God. Even when I don't think I deserve it, God still makes it available to me. And I just would love us as a church, I would love us just to say together, yes, Pastor Philip, together, we're going to rise up and we're going to leave our past behind. And we're going to say, this is my new day. Come on, can you say that with me? This is my new day. Come on, this is a new opportunity for me. I know I've screwed up, I've messed up, but the shortest distance between two straight points or two points is a straight line and I'm making that line of change. I'm making a difference today. I'm breaking free from my past. This is my straight line between where I was and and where I'm heading. Turn with me today to 2 Kings chapter 22. This is where we're going to take our story from today. 2 Kings 22, we're going to see the three areas or attitudes that need to be in our lives physically in order to bring about a change in our lives. So read with me, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoda, the daughter of Adiah of that place, Bozkath, whatever, wherever that is, that's near near, um, Lafayette somewhere I think. 
And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. At only eight years of age, this young man is placed in an incredible position to be king over a nation. He didn't receive the guidance he should have received. His father, King Ammon, you can read it in 2 Kings chapter 21. His father did not give him the instruction that he needed. He wasn't a great king. He did not follow God's laws. In fact, he allowed a lot of bad things to take place. But despite the past, despite the past, what Josiah was not responsible for, I want you to see something. Even the things that he wasn't responsible for, he made a determination in his heart he was going to change. Well, you don't know what's been done to me. You don't know. I didn't bring that upon myself. Despite it all, Josiah made a determination. It wasn't his fault where the nation was when he inherited the kingdom. It wasn't his decisions and it wasn't his choices. But you know what? He decided that he was going to repair the damage that was done. And we're going to see the three key areas that he used. Josiah dedicated. He decided to live for God, to do everything right. He started by repairing the temple of God, a great place to start, to put God back in his rightful position. He said, if we're going to be a people of God, if we're going to follow God, then God needs to be the focus of our lives. He needs to be the focal point of people's lives. So he instructed them to rebuild, to repair the temple of God. And whilst repairing the temple and rebuilding the temple, they discovered an ancient scroll. They don't tell us how it got there, but they discovered it. Look, 2 Kings 22 verse 8, Then Helkiah the high priest said to Shaphat the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Historians tell us that probably a king had invaded Jerusalem, had invaded Israel at that time. They had hidden the law of God because they didn't want the people to follow God. I don't know how, but it was hidden. But when they began to rebuild, they discovered it again. And this wasn't just any old scroll. This wasn't just any book. It was one of the first five books of the Bible called the Torah. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It was one of those books and most feel it was probably the book of Deuteronomy. Why do they feel that? Because of the reforms, the changes that King Josiah made, you read of in the book of Deuteronomy. So it was brought to him and it was read to him. And Josiah realized how far they had wandered from God and from his law. He realized how they should be living, but the way they weren't living. He realized it wasn't a pretty situation. Maybe today you need to realize how far you've wandered away from where you need to be. Yes, we're talking about every aspect of your life, but really specifically today, we're talking about physically the changes that you need to make as you've wandered away that your life physically is not a pretty picture today because of your health, because of the addictions, the strongholds, the attacks that you are facing in your life. So what did Josiah do? What did he do? I'll tell you what we do. We blame everyone else. Come on, you know what we do? We make excuses. Well, it wasn't my fault. It was what happened to me and it was this and that and all these things. Josiah did not do that and he had every right to do that because, as we said, he inherited the mess. He wasn't the one that orchestrated it. He was the one that was given it. He didn't ask for it. That's what he inherited. 
But notice what he did, 2 Kings 22, 11, 13. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law, that he what? He tore his clothes. Then the king commanded, he went to all his scribes, he went to all his leaders. My God, help us with those names. I'm glad I wasn't born in the Bible days because God only knows what we would maybe be called today. Amen. But look what it says in verse 13. It says, he sent them and he commanded them and he said to them, go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all of Judah, concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book, to do according to all that is written concerning us. So how did Josiah respond to God's truth? Let me tell you, he tore his clothes. He tore his clothes. Now we're not asking you to do that today. Please don't tear your clothes. But tearing your clothes was symbolic of an act of humility. A total act of humility. He tore his clothes. And that's the first area that we're going to look at today. The first attitude of change that needs to take place in our lives is we need to have humility. He ripped his clothes and he said words, but his actions spoke according to his words. What he was saying as he ripped his clothes and spoke was this. He says, God, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. God, I am their leader And I have failed to lead them in the way they should go. Please help me. You know what humility does? Humility makes us take responsibility for where we find ourselves. Said it earlier, it's easy to pass the buck, it's easy to pass the blame. It's easy to say, well, it's their fault, they did this. And, and that. You know, I want to tell you something, many people do that today. Perhaps you do that. Instead of taking responsibilities where you find yourself, you know what? You blame other people because it's not my fault, it's not what I have done. But Josiah says, if there's going to be a change, I've got to have humility in my life which is completely opposite to the message of the world today. You know what the message of the world is today? Pride. The message of the world we see today is pride. I can do it. I can make the change. I don't need anyone else. I I can do it on my own. I'll do it my way. I'll do it how I want to do it. It's all about me. Even though we don't say that, that's the actions that we depict. I hope you don't go around and say, hey, it's all about me. But yet that's the attitude of our life So many times. One of the biggest struggles God has with us is pride. One of the biggest issues that God has in dealing with each one of us is pride. It's us living our prideful way, our way, how we want it, when we want it. And you know why we do that? Because of our sinful heart's desires. We don't want to label it as that because it's just a choice. I I just want to do life my way. No, really what you're doing is it's a sinful choice of a desire of your heart that's against what God wants. And And we've got to label it as it is. It's a sinful heart's desire. And we convince ourselves that we have the right to live whatever way we want. I mean, it's my life. I can do what I want. It's, It's my life. I can make the decisions and the choices that I want for my life. Let me break this down today in practical terms when it comes to our physical bodies. Maybe you're not feeling well, so what do we do? We go to the doctor. We book an appointment and we go. 
doctor runs tests, and then what do they tell you? Come back in X amount of days, and we'll give you the results for the test. We don't like that in-between period. We have to wait. But you know what they tell us? Do you hear what the doctors are saying? Let me tell you what the doctors are saying. The doctors are shocked by the blatant obsession people have with their personal needs, their wants and desires, to the point that there is no regard for the truth. They are shocked when they deliver the news that people don't want to hear that because they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear what they want to do about the decisions and the choices. So when the doctor tells the patient, listen, we've got your results in and you need to make some changes. You may need to make some serious changes. That could be the conversation the doctor has with you. Why? Because if you don't make the changes right now, you're going to suffer more. You're going to do more harm. And and there's going to be more problems that's going to be created. Hey, for some of you, maybe you've heard these words because many people have. If you don't make a change right now, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. But you know what they tell us? You know what is recorded of most doctors when they present people with a situation like that? They say people look at them, not in shock, not in fear, but they look at them like they are an idiot. What are you talking about? I mean, don't be stupid. It's just a little high blood pressure. It's just a little bit of cholesterol problem. It's nothing major. You just don't know what you are talking about. It's amazing how pride has made us think and feel that we are invincible. That I can just keep living and keep doing and keep being physically everything I want and I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it. I'm going to be healthy. Oh, cholesterol. Oh, no big deal. I can handle high cholesterol. I can handle high blood sugar. I can handle all the, Oh, I'm going to beat the system. Isn't it amazing how pride will tell us? You see, a prideful attitude is a false sense of confidence. Do you really think, I mean, let's be real. Do you think the doctor woke up in the morning and said, Philip Pimlot's coming to see me today. I just want to ruin his day. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, do you think the doctor woke up and he said, I'm just going to ruin someone's day today. So when they come in, I'm just going to tell them if they don't change, they're going to die. Come on, they went to years and years and years and years and years and years and years of schooling. They went to school, to college, to medical school. So what? So they could be an expert. Notice this, and not an idiot. Now, I know doctors can get it wrong because when you go to see the doctor, where do you go? You go to their practice. That's what it is called. You go to their practice. If you ask what doctors do, what do they do? They practice medicine. Realize this, they're going to get it wrong. They're practicing on you, okay? But don't say, well, you're completely wrong because how many realizes they're probably more experted to give an opinion than what you really are to know what's going on. You just know there's a problem. They're just telling you what it is, but pride will say, that's not the problem. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to do that. You know they have a name for that in the medical field. It's called being non-compliant. Non-compliant. Have a non-compliance in your life. When the doctor gives you orders in a medicine and yet the patient thinks that we think we know better. I wanted to tell you if I'm identifying your life. Maybe not as drastic as the doctor, but you know in your life the warning signs. You know what's going on in your life, but you're too proudful to admit that there's a need to change. Oh, I'm going to beat it. I can make it through. I know I can hardly climb the stairs, but it's okay because I'll just avoid stairs. Can you see the stupidity in that? 
Come on, just, I'm just loving you enough to tell you the truth. Can you see how we can become non-compliant to that and we can become prideful? I want to tell you right now, if you don't kill the pride in your life, pride's going to kill you. Come on, you better kill that pride or it's going to kill you. And it's your choice to do that. If we're going to be willing to change even before it's forced upon us or we have to, it comes through humility. No one knows you more than God does. We can say, well, I know my body. Well, I think the one who created you knows your body a little bit better. Come on. No one knows you better than God does. No one can tell me what I need greater than God. And you know what? We've got to turn to him through that. You've got to have humility and say, God, you know me more than I do. Tell me what I need to do. And God, I'll be willing to comply to that. God, I want to do that. You see, you've got to understand this. When God speaks... It's not suggestions. It's not suggestions that God gives. But God's voice rather brings instruction, not suggestions. Go home and read in Genesis when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. God gave them instruction. You know what God said to them? God said, everything that you want is yours save one thing. Read it for yourself. Don't eat that one tree. Everything else is yours. But you notice when Satan comes in in Genesis 3, he focused what? Not on the liberties that they had, but he focused on the restriction that they had. He said, did God really say that you can eat? What about that over there? Can you see the lie of the enemy that the enemy wants to focus in on the restrictions that we have instead of the freedom that we have in God? What are you trying to say? So when we don't follow the instructions, to most people, Christianity is a list of do's and don'ts. It's restrictive life. There's no blessing. There's no few. You know, we've got a rule in our house. And here's how the rule in our house goes. When there is something on the stove, kids, you don't go and touch it. You know why we tell our kids not to touch it? Because it's boiling, it's hot, and it's going to hurt them. You know, it wouldn't be foolishness to say, Pastor Philip, you and Kelly have got no love for your kids. I can't believe you would give your kids a restriction, a law like that in the house. Why is there a restriction? Because it's harmful to hurt them. What are we trying to do with that restriction? We're trying to release them into freedom, to protect them from the things. You see, we can look so many times at the instructions of God as commandments of God, and all God wants to do is control my life. No, God just wants to help your life be what it needs to be. God wants to help you move into that abundance of life and the fullness of what God has for your life. It's not to restrict you, it's to release you. And we can claim that God is Lord of our lives all day long, but if we don't do what he says, he cannot be Lord of our lives. And that's how many of us live, because we're prideful, because we know what's best, and we need to expose ourselves, therefore, to God's truth, like King Josiah. We need to bring our lives in line with God's truth. We need to tear our clothes. We need to say, God, I need to humble myself, because you're giving me all the signs. You're giving me the opportunity, and God, I've got to make the changes right now. Look what it says in James 4, verse 6. The Bible says this, God resists the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace to the humble. That's strong words there to think that I can resist God. Pride will resist God from working in my life. We can choose today to say, you know what, pastor, physically I'm fine. Nothing's wrong with my eating habits, my lifestyle. All is well. Really? Is that a statement today of pride or is that a statement of humility? 
We've talked a lot about humility. Let me define it to you. Here's what I believe humility is. Humility means becoming a person of action, but action now based on God's truth and not our truth. Notice the big difference right there? Being a person of action, but action now based on what God says and not what I want. Being humble, not prideful in my life. Four verses later in James 4 verse 10, James writes, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And guess what happens? God will lift you up. God will promote you. So what happens when I am prideful, that brings me down. But when I humble my life, God is able to give me health. God's able to give me strength. God's able to promote my life and release my life into what God has. I'm telling you, it's a whole lot better to be promoted by God than it is to be promoted by man. You and I must realize we don't have all the answers to life. You haven't got it all figured out. And that's why God has given us his words. That's why God has given us other people like doctors and those who have knowledge and wisdom. That what we can learn from, that we can grow in life, that they've been placed in our lives, not to ruin our lives, but to help our lives, to nurture our lives. We're so excited on Wednesdays. For the next few Wednesday nights, we're going to have more of a workshop set up here. And I'm really excited on on Wednesday. We're bringing in an expert. We're bringing in a specialist, Miss Denise. She's a nutritionist. She's going to talk to us about healthy life, how to live a healthy life. She's going to give us a lecture on, on being healthy physically in our bodies and then we're going to have a Q&A session where you can answer and ask any questions and, and just different things and she can answer them. For, I'm really excited about that. You need to be here. It's going to be really good. But I want to tell you right now, pride kills growth but humility nurtures growth. A humble heart is key to change. Humbling yourself and listening to the voice of change. If we will ever get over ourselves and our needs to be right and find humility, not pride, we'll find what leads to life. The life of abundance, the life of passion and the life of satisfaction that God wants for us. But until humility replaces pride and leads into action, it will be nearly impossible to leave behind what's holding us back. The wrong choices, unhealthy eating habits, the addictions, the strongholds of our lives. Come on, we've got to live with humility. What an incredible truth today. What an incredible truth for you physically, that your body would glorify God. To live in humility, that you could look, instead of being prideful, instead of denying the things that's going on, that you would be open and honest and seek the advice and the counsel and the help of others to enable to make those changes so you can keep calm and carry on. The next key area we see or the next attitude is this, to be committed, a commitment to action. Josiah didn't just tear his clothes like we would do. God, I'm sorry, end of story. He did something about it. He took action. Come on, and action is not procrastination. Say that with me, procrastination. That's not the action. That's a delay of action. That's a delayed response that tomorrow I'll get to this. We've got to be what? Committed to action in our lives. If you were to ask most people, are you healthy? They would know they're not. But then if you were to say to them, what are you doing about it? You know what they would say? Oh, I'm going to take care of that tomorrow. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to do that. But notice it's never today. It's somewhere in the future and it never comes. We're living in a fairy tale that one day our prince will come, but prince doesn't ever come. Why? Because we're not going to live there. We're not going to be what God wants us. We've got to be committed to action. Don't just know it. Do something about it. 
Josiah realized that God had been totally gracious to him and his people. I'm glad for the graciousness of God upon my life. God had every right just to smite them. God had every opportunity just to wipe them out. And, uh, and just to, but God gives them another chance. God has given every one of us another chance and an opportunity to make it right before it's too late. What are you doing with the warning lights? What are you doing? Oh, that doctor's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. What are you doing with the warning signs? Remember the scripture, Philippians 2.13, for it's God who works in us. That's the wrong one, I apologize. It's God who works in us, giving us the desire and the power to do whatever pleases Him. God has given us the power. Come on, say with me, God's given me the ability to change. Come on, you've got to believe that. God's given me the ability to change and it's not tomorrow, it's today. Look what Josiah does. does. He took action. He takes action. 2 Kings 23, verse 1 and 3. Now the king sent to them and gathered all the elders of Jerusalem and Judah to him. And the king went up in the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah with him, all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their hearing the word of the book of the covenant, which he had found in the house of the Lord. Verse 3. Then the king stood by the pillar and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with what? All his heart, with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that he, that we had, that was written in this book. And all the people stood or made a stand for the covenant. Josiah confronts the people who were living against God's truth and he told them it needs to stop. You think everyone that day was really happy about that? You think everyone said, oh great, yeah, I've been meaning to give that up anyway. Oh yeah, I, I, I know I really enjoy that, but yeah, if you say so, I'm, I'm just going to give that. He faced great opposition that day. It took guts, even as a king, to stand up and say, hold on a second, we're drawing a line, no more. We're not going to live like this, we're not going to do that. It's going to take guts in your life to do that, and it's going to take a commitment to action. You've got to be committed to making the change. He took away that day what they had grown to love. He took away that, that what they had grown comfortable with. He took away the things they were attached to. He took away the things they were addicted to. It's not an easy task to change. It never is, but the results will speak for themselves. There was many that day that were, I'm sure, opposed to him. There's going to be struggles in your life. But you would read the story of Josiah. Take time to read it when you get home. You would realize he didn't just stand up one day and say, this is how it's going to be. He presented how it was going to be over and over and over again until what? Until the people followed him and the people realized what God's truth was for their life. You see, sometimes in your life you can make a commitment to change. But you know what? Sometimes you're going to have to make that commitment every day. Sometimes you're going to have to make that commitment every six hours. Sometimes you're going to have to make that commitment again every hour, every ten minutes because the enemy wants to bombard you and come back. But you've got to remind yourself and say, I'm changed. I'm changing in God. I've humbled my life before God and now I'm going to see change. And when the enemy comes because the opposition's going to come, guess what? You've got to what? Make that commitment over and over again in your life until you realize it's going to stick and you're going to make it through and God's going to give you the power. And the strength and the enablement to do that. You're not doing it in your own strength. Because if you could do it in your own strength, he would not have had to die for you. But with God, you and God are a great team together. So he said, no more. Anything that's not pleasing to God, bam. Done with, gone. I wonder what's not pleasing to God in your physical life. 
Come on, I really wonder right, right now what's not pleasing to God in the way you live physically, the habits you have, the eating habits, just everything that you're putting in. What are you doing to your life that is against God's word? Josiah was determined that his people were going to do everything right, that he was going to be a man of action. I'm calling men and women today to stand up and take action. Take action in your life. Humble yourself and say, you know what, I need to change. But then make that commitment in the strength of God and say, with God, I'm going to change. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's how we must be to the change in our life. And that's how we've got to be. We've got to make those healthy changes. We've got to have changes that will mess with a lot of our stuff. You know, and the nutritionist will tell you this, and Denise will tell you this on Wednesday. One of the last and worst things that people need to hear is say, you can't eat that no more. You know, one thing Denise would tell you, and you need to be here Wednesday because you're going to enjoy it. She's going to tell you this. It's not necessarily that there are bad foods for you, but it's the portions that you eat that makes it bad. It's the choices that you make. It's the way that you do that. But it's amazing, isn't it, that change is going to mess with stuff. Well, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. And I'm not going to think about what that is doing to your life. Come on, humble your life. Kill the pride in your life. And realize that the mess of all that stuff is causing problems. Be committed to action despite the opposition. Last point today. Attitude number three. Key area number three. To have a responsive heart. 2 Kings 22, 19. This is the reply after Josiah sends the priest away to seek God. Here's the reply that God sent back. He said, because your heart was tender and you what? Humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants. That they would become a desolation and a curse. And you tore your clothes. You wept before me. What does God say? I have heard you says the Lord. We've got to have a responsive heart to God. Life has its way of hardening our heart, doesn't it? Life has its way of making us indifferent to God. Life has its way of us turning off to what God wants. Look what it says in Proverbs 4 verse 23, the importance of our heart. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. And my God, some of us have some major issues in our lives. And where do those issues come? From a bad heart, a heart that is cold, a heart that is hardened, a heart that is indifferent. Because God says we've got to keep our heart because our heart, one translation says, sets the course of our life. It lays the boundaries of our heart. We must have a responsive heart to God. So how's your heart today? What's the pathway we've seen today? It starts with humility then action and a commitment to action, and then a responsive heart, which all work together to empower us to make the tough decisions, to get off the fence, to make the changes in our lives that we know we need to make. Here's what a responsive heart is. A responsive heart is one that says, God, I will do whatever you say. God, I will do whatever you say. You see, having a responsive heart is not just enough to hear it, to hear the word. Because the Bible says there was someone who heard the word, but they didn't do it. And God said that was like a foolish man who built a house on the sand. And when the storms came, the house fell. God says, if you want to hear it and don't do it, that's foolishness. And the Bible also says you're only deceiving yourself. 
There's another response that we can have, and that is this. We can debate it. We can debate God's word. We can say, hold on a minute, God. I like that. I don't like that. But I think you mean this. And we can make God's word fit our life, and then nothing changes because we fit God's word into our lives. Let me tell you, God's word was never meant to fit into your life, but your life fit into his word. And you've got to understand that. It's not about just hearing it. It's not about debating it, but it's about obeying it. Doing it. You know, listen to this. Disobedience equals incomplete obedience. Well, it's just only a little bit of disobedience. Well, it's incomplete obedience. Whatever you're doing that's disobedient is incomplete obedience. Do you have a responsive heart towards God? Or are you just doing what you want and labeling it as God's way? Fooling yourself. Listen to me today. I'm almost done. God's word confronts us with truth. Yet so often we try to convince ourselves that God is comfortable with the things that we want to do and that we know the things he doesn't want us to do because after all, we've figured it all out. We've figured it out that God just wants us to be happy. So if this is making me happy, then obviously God wants me to do that. Isn't it amazing how we figure it all out and think we know? What God's word says just because it makes us happy or because we enjoy, it and do, we enjoy it. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that there is the passing pleasures of sin. What does that mean? Sin is pleasurable. It's something appealing because if it wasn't, we would never want to do it. So we've got to watch with that because we can convince ourselves as long as I'm happy and things are going right. But we've got to watch. And I want to make this clear today. And if you don't get anything else from the message, here's a good thing to get. If you're taking notes today, take this down. Even if you're not taking notes, take this down today. God is not comfortable with your sin or bad habits just because you are comfortable with them. God is not comfortable. God's not saying, hey, okay, everything's good. Just because you're comfortable, just because you're learning to live with them, just because you're saying, well, I can never be a part of that. Remember, we're leaving our past. We're breaking free because the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And that line's a line of change. We're leaving our past and the pain and the failures. And we're going on to the victories and the abundance and the blessing that God has. Don't confuse the two, you see, because we convince ourselves it's okay when God's saying, no, it's not. I mean, really look at your life today. Look at where you go. Look at what you say. Look at your relationships. Look at the activities you involve yourself with in your life on a daily basis. And I want to ask you today, with a heart, a responsive heart to God, a heart that's open saying, God, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. With a heart like that, can you really say that God's okay with everything I'm doing? Can you really say that? Can you really say that God's okay with all I do? I just read an illustration this week of a young guy and he was invited by his friends to go and see a movie. It wasn't a movie that he needed to go and see. It wasn't a great movie. And he asked his parents and they said, son, here's what we want you to do. We want you to go to your room and we want you to ask God if he would want you to go and see that movie. He's like, oh man, I hate it when they bring the God thing in. I mean, come on. So he went to his room and he said, okay. And he went in there and he said, God, is this something that I need to be opening my life up to? Is this something that I need to do? Because all my friends are going, but God, is this something? And that young man 
despite the fact he wanted to go and he knew his friends were going and they would probably laugh at them if he didn't go and all these things. In his heart, he knew that God was saying, that's not what you need for your life. That's not what you need. He came out of the room and his parents were waiting and he said to his parents, I don't need to go and do that. His parents looked at him and smiled and they said these words, we already knew what God would say, but we just wanted to see if you would be responsive to it. You say, we already know what God has said. We already know what's right and wrong and what to do, but are we being responsive to it? Are we being responsive to it? So James 4.17 says, To he that knoweth to do right, but doesn't do it to him, that is sin. We know what is right, but yet not to do it, the Bible says, therefore is sin. You see, God's also given us a great person to live with us, to help us, his Holy Spirit. In John 16.13, it says, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will what? The Holy Spirit wants to guide you and I into all truth. Literally, to lead the way, to point out the way. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit to convict us of the wrong things we do. But listen, to also lead us in the right things. We can see God as a no, 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 no. Don't just see God as that. Don't see God as a limitation. See God as a releaser. Instead of just seeing him as the no's, look for the yeses. Because there are so many yeses. There are so many great things in God. And his Holy Spirit wants to lead us in those ways. But you and I can choose to ignore his voice and his leading. Has your heart become hardened to the voice and the leading of God? Because you see, the more we ignore the voice of God, the more we start pushing him further and further away. And the harder our hearts get towards him, and the more difficult it becomes to respond to God. Make sure your heart is responsive to God. Pastor Philip, I thought we were talking about our physical bodies. You better believe we are, because if we would humble ourselves and kill pride and make a commitment to change and have a heart that is totally open to God and to follow what God wants to do in our lives, we would see such change in our lives. Look what it says in Ezekiel 18.31. He says, cast away from you all the transgressions, the sins, the wrong things, the wrong choices and the situations which you have committed. And what does he say? And get for yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die? That's a great thought there. Why should I die when I can have a new heart? I can have a new spirit to follow God and to be open to his word. I pray you're getting something from this today. Is there anything right now that's hindering you in your life? Is there anything that you need to work on in your life? Is there anything that's keeping you from being responsive to God? You've got to answer that because pride will say no, 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 no. But humility will say yes, yes, yes. God, give me the strength to make a commitment and that my heart would be open and tuned for you. Look what was recorded to Josiah as he died and was laid to rest. 2 Kings 23, 25. Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the laws of Moses, nor after him did any rise like him. What an incredible testimony. I wonder if that could be said about you. I wonder if we could say that about our lives, because I know one thing, we don't know better than God, but God knows better than us. 
Come on now, you don't know better than God, but God knows better than every one of us. Have humility, have action in your life, be committed to it, have a responsive heart, because these are three key areas and attitudes, I believe, that will change our lives, not only physically, but financially, in our relationships, and in our walk with God. Will you make a commitment to change before you even have to? So you and I can truly say, I'm going to keep calm, and that we can carry on. That we would take the shortest distance between two points, a straight line. And that's the line of change. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Whether you realize it or not, we have preached practical truths that will change your life in every area. How many would say today, you know what? There's things in my life I know physically talking about. There's things in my life right now that I need to change. Come on, who's going to be honest right now? Things in my life, I've got to change them. You know what? Here's the thought. Many of us could say, well, I can keep living with this for the rest of my life. Maybe you can. But what does a responsive heart say? God, is that something you want me to live with for the rest of my life? We've got to kill pride. We've got to be humble before God. And I want to pray for you today. Come on, let me see those hands all over the place. I've I got my hands up today. I, I need to get in shape. Just but, you know, It's not that I'm really fat. It's not like I'm really overweight. But you know what? You can be skinny and out of shape. You really can. You can be skinny and out of shape too. And I'm not even skinny and out of shape. I'm kind of like in between right now. When I told someone the other day we were expecting, they looked and thought I was carrying the baby, not Kelly. But I know I need to change and I'm not preaching anything to you that I'm not going to do. But I've got to humble myself and realize, you know, when I'm pushing over 40 now, I'm 41. You know what? I need to start making the changes right now before changes are made for me. I've got to start doing the things. Why? Because I want to humble my life. I, I want to be committed to that change. And you know what I want to do? I want to have a responsive heart. When I go to do things or eat things or, or be involved in things, I, I want to feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, that's not for your temple. That's not going to glorify you. If you go there, do that. That's not. I want a heart that's in tune with God. I want God in my life. Come on, if that's you, you want change in your life, just hold your hands up all over this place. I want to pray with you right now. In the name of Jesus, we just pray, God, right now for such change in our lives. God, we realize today that one of the biggest resistance to our life is pride. And and God, even some right now would turn around and say, oh, he's not preaching to me. I'm glad he spoke this because my husband, my wife, my kids, they needed to hear. No, we all need to hear this. Because the reality is not any of us here can really keep calm and carry on without changing because God there are things in our life that are still not pleasing to you and we need to get that right and God we humble our hands our lives under the mighty hand of you right now we humble our lives God we repent of the prideful the arrogance the sinful desires of our lives we repent of those things and God we pray that God you would help us to live in humility that we would listen to those who have given it advice and and help and that we would say you know what I need to follow that I need to do that that needs to be in my life God that we would help us God in every area God to realize we can't beat the system but we've got to trust you 
And God, help us to be committed to action, God. Not just to say it, but to do it and keep doing it and keep being it and keep living it, God. And God, help us, God, to have a responsive heart that says, God, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it, God. That when we lift our hand to do something wrong, God, we would be so convicted in our hearts, God. And I pray that, God, you would give that to us, God. We know what's right, but God, will we choose to respond to it or not? God, we pray that, God, you would help us in every aspect of our life, God, to bring the change, to be the straight line between our past and our future in you. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.